Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Just Saying Podcast. This is episode 16, and today we are bringing you a fan-free audio version of our podcast. You can actually hear us this time. Um, so today we talk about the Brady official retirement, conference championship recap, upcoming Super Bowl matchup, and some head coach talk to top us off. With that being said, here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode 16 of the Just Saying podcast. It is February 1st, 2022. Oh, wow. I got to pay my rent. Um, <laughs> and Tom Brady just retired officially the second time. Yeah, the second time on his own terms, he goes out, um, which is pretty crazy to think about. I mean, we, being 21 years old, both of us, have never known an NFL without Tom Brady in it, which is crazy to say. Yeah, uh, Tom Brady has won a, th- a third of the Super Bowls in our life. Yeah, twelve point seven percent. Uh, no, twelve point seven percent. Oh, ever a third ever? In our life. Yeah, 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 a, a third, third, thirty, yeah, thirty-one point eight percent through his career, through our lives, and then yeah, he, he's won seven of twenty-one in our years, and then after this year, it'll it'll officially be whatever that fraction is. Yeah. Um, but what's your first memory of Brady? Ooh. You know, it's probably a negative one, but actually, one of the first. Super Bowls that I can remember watching I I very vividly remember sitting down on the floor in front of my family's TV and seeing the David Tyree helmet catch okay I do I remember that Super Bowl very I remember both Giants Super Bowls very vividly so I think that'd probably be my first memory of like I guess like centered around Brady not necessarily mm-hmm. with him um but that'd probably be my first what about you do you remember the the undefeated season do you have memories of it? 2007? No, man, I do not. I would say my most vivid first memory would be the 2007 run. The Patriots had the undefeated run, obviously, where they lose to the Super Bowl, in the Super Bowl to the Giants the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Randy Moss Jets back of the end zone catch, I think it is. It's like a one-handed back of the end okay. zone. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, On Revis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I remember that vividly. And then the next year, 2008, I distinctly remember Brady t- tearing his ACL. Oh, wow. I vividly remember watching that play. So my two early memories of Brady. Did you watch him just because he came from Michigan and your family? Uh, no, no, no. More so, my brother actually loved the Patriots. Oh, okay. Uh, my dad... Didn't really, my dad actually didn't really even have a favorite team at that point. But just, you know, Brady was the biggest quarterback in the okay. NFL, you know what I mean? Yeah. So always watched him. I was just going to say because, like, growing up, like, when I was younger, until I was probably around 10, 11, or 12, I was, like, strictly focused on the Bears. So I, like, literally knew nothing else about the NFL rather than just what was going on within my organization. So. Yeah. At, at that point in time, I was more of, like, a jersey collector than, I than, than a. Uh, yeah. Just, just a fan of the game. Yeah, dedicated fan. I, yeah. I was all over the place. But Tom Brady's out opens a lot of things up. I, I think it was reported that Bruce Arians has told all staff members they can field interviews elsewhere. So wow. it seems as if that it's probably coming to an end pretty soon for that whole staff. Mm-hmm. BA is probably going to retire at some point pretty soon. Yeah, And a lot of players, Vita Vey is probably upset, just signed that big extension. Yeah. Um, totally. but, <laughs> uh, 
a lot of players are on the move. I would, I would assume. Yeah, especially, soon. especially like Chris Godwin's one that he's gonna. There's an very, free agency. Yeah. yeah, very attractive market for him, even though he just got injured. Um, I mean, isn't like I think you sent me a photo the other day, and like half their roster is like free agents after this year, right? Yeah, like nine or ten of their starters are, are going to be free agents. I forget, I forget exactly what it was, but it might have been like two or three O linemen. Godwin uh, is. I don't know if Mike Evans is, but. Uh, Gronk is probably going to retire at some yeah. uh, at this point, so it, it'll be interesting for them. I don't. Yeah. I, I'm not really sure. Has anything else happened on the coaching front? Well, um, since our last episode, I don't believe so. I mean, in terms of the Bears, I know that we hired our OC Luke Getzey, mm-hmm. which is kind of a new thing. Um, don't know how I really feel about that. People are kind of excited about him, but oh, Dayball went to New York. Did we talk about that? Last oh, time? we did not. Yeah, that is a huge thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. he did go to New York. So, thoughts on that? Um, you know, it's it's a tough place to go, but I think it's alluring because of the prospect of the city and the prospect of being the guy that kind of changes things around, but it could very easily go south. Definitely. Yeah. I, would, I would agree. I would agree. Um, I guess it's just really going to be how far Daniel Jones is going to progress at, at the end of the day. But enough with that. Let's get to the, to the uh, Super Bowl matchup. So... We just watched Bengals Chiefs and Rams Niners, mm-hmm. two actually insane games uh, in their in their own respects. So I'm I'm still really shocked about the Bengals. I think we do we want to talk about the the conference championship first or previous Super Bowl matchup? How should we do this? Let's talk about the the championship first. Okay, because I mean it's the is it's the exact same thing that happened when they played in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Almost the exact same story. What, what were the Chiefs were up twenty one twenty one three? Yeah, right before, and then the the Bengals scored at the end of the first half to bring it within eleven. But I don't know. It it was a shocking game. Like Joe Burrow, by the way, to our point that we made last um, last podcast, was only sacked once, which a lot of that was by his own effort. Yeah. there was a lot of plays where he was having to scramble out and yeah. break tackles and then make amazing throws downfield, but. Um, I think that was honestly the key to them winning was just keeping him, you know, keeping the pocket clean for the most part, at least. I would agree. I mean, also, the, the Evan McPherson is just ri- ridiculous. Yeah. He's money. Yeah, he is, for sure. Especially so, a rookie, too. That's so wild. He goes four for four, hits the game winner in overtime. But I think the story was the, the Chiefs, they had like three different versions this year. It was the the start where everyone was worried, where they were bottomed out early, yep. and then the defense clicked all of a sudden for mm-hmm. a run. And it seemed like it seemed just like as the the weeks progressed over the last you know four or five weeks, the defense has kind of reverted right back into their old form. Um, they they were pretty broken. Mm-hmm. I I would say they did. I I will say though they did for a for the most part, cover Jamar Chase decently well. I yep. mean, he obviously had that that toss-up touchdown and then the other play where Joe Burrow evaded the rush, like I was just mentioning. But for the most part, he was pretty ineffective. Yep. Um, other than that, though, they didn't do too well. Yeah, I just think that, you know, actually, and, and it really shouldn't even be all the blame on, the, on their defense. I think that their defense certainly reverted back to its, you know, poorest form. However, Mahomes definitely was the. I think Mahomes definitely was the the ultimate 
issue at the end of the day that, that caused them the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, there were some very timely takeaways for the Bengals defense, especially yeah. that pick in OT. I mean, and there was a couple um, that they the Bengals defense could have gotten from um, Mahomes, especially when he was just he. I feel like he was scrambling for ages when he when they were playing. Like he would just run and run and run and like find no one downfield. He kept turning his back to the to the yeah. backfield you know, to the secondary. It was pretty interesting. Not but. what you want to do. And I get it. Like he's that type of player that can make those plays. But at the end of the day, it's just like not very fundamental. It's just not going to work a lot of the time, no matter who you are. Yeah, I, I thought uh, he just like he goes and and we've talked about it extensively when he was in that cold spell, but. It just seems like at some point they just try and go for kill every single time, or not, yeah. and maybe not every single time, but it just they speed up themselves way too much. And and to start the game, what did they start? Touchdown, touchdown. Yeah, three drives, three touchdowns. 18, 27 plays, a hundred, like two hundred and twenty yards in you know fifteen minutes. Their first three drives. Yeah, I mean they were. And even watching the game, it looked like the Bengals didn't belong on the field yeah, in, the, in the first yeah. half. Yeah, it looked like it was over. But it's just from there, and then, and I think truly the the well, it truly was the, the turning point was before the first half. You know, you get down to the red zone. Uh, they mm-hmm. get first and one at the Cincinnati one. They throw a pass out wide. No, no, no. The, Tyree came out. That was the second down pass that ended the half. What was mm-hmm. the? first down pass the first down pass was incomplete but then the second down pass was the out wide where Tyreek yeah. came out wide and Eli Apple tackled him should could have taken your points uh would have would have been uh hence made it a tie I guess but like that's hindsight yeah. um but that truly was the turning point and from there like they were just a, a, a totally different team they, mm-hmm. they couldn't get anything going the play calling seemed different and it seemed like Mahomes just was never comfortable from that point for, going from going forward at that point yeah, I think the Bengals' uh, defensive front did a really good job getting there um, and making him move around the pocket, making him pretty uncomfortable. Mm. Um, and to your point, too, like I think that is one of the drawbacks of that Chiefs offense is they're always looking for that big play. Or at mm. least maybe it's just Mahomes, but he's always has his eyes downfield rather than just taking the easy dump off. And that's just kind of who he is. And he has that big arm, again, to make those throws because that's who he is. But... Especially like in overtime, that throw wasn't there. You were he, had, he was double covered. He had yeah. two guys on him. It just wasn't a smart throw. But I will say, when he released it and I saw Tyreek, I was like, "Oh, this is a completion. Yeah. This game is the Chiefs to win." Yeah. But you know, I would agree. But that, I mean, that's also the and that was the story of the second half. They were just getting getting behind the sticks. I mean, yeah. that, that overtime throw was third and ten, mm-hmm. and you hadn't even moved the ball an inch. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's it's frustrating, and I and I understand it not to, not to compare the teams, but like you can even watching the Cardinals, like it's it's crazy to see an offense that is you know unstoppable, and then the next drive cannot move the ball mm-hmm. a yard in three yeah. plays. It's it's kind of amazing how NFL teams can do that. I really don't understand it. Maybe it's at just, the highest level. Yeah, maybe maybe it just goes to show the adjustments that the Bengals made. You know, second half. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think I did hear a player talk about the adjustments. Maybe it was Burrow after the game talking about how their defensive coaches did make the adjustments, and obviously they ended up working very well. Um, but to be honest, um, I'm just happy I don't have to hear about uh, Mahomes' wife anymore. Yeah, and any I mean, of her was... antics or his brother. <laughs> that was getting rough. Um, 
But the, did you see? Did you see the Kansas City news outlet? The post that they put out talking about we weren't supposed to be here. Dude, that's so underrated. I was like, what are you talking about? You were favored in every single one of your games this year. Yeah, I. You can't change the narrative like that. If no. You're, if you're a Chiefs fan or or a, a follower, whatever, whatever the case may be. I mean, they were they certainly were down in the dumps early, but that doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you have the most dynamic offense in football. You just so happen to get yeah. Creed Humphrey, who ended up being the best center in football. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't, it, it doesn't make sense at all. But I mean, they were, they were a game away from their third straight Super Bowl. Yeah. So, um, But let's – before we get into the other side, I want to kind of talk about how the Bengals got here because I think it's pretty, pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. So if we just take a step back and look at the big picture – the last coach before Zach Taylor is Marvin Lewis, now ASU legend. Yeah. Uh, walking legend. Sort of. Sort of. Sort of. Um, but so they, they fire him in 2018 after the 2018 season. I think he was there for. He was there for a while. 16 years. Yeah, I don't even know. 15 years. Um, Zach Taylor gets hired, who was. Was he like the quarterback coach of the Rams? Under I McVay? Really quick. I, I think he was one of the McVay guys. But. At any rate, 2019 comes around, 2-14. and 14, That's the last Andy Dalton year. Uh, that is – he was the quarterback yeah, of the Rams. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, that's, the la- that, that's the first year with Zach Taylor is the last year with Andy Dalton. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, just to throw it out there, pretty crazy. Andy Dalton, A.J. Green, two Cincinnati Bengals legends, and they go to the Super Bowl shortly thereafter, yeah. their, their tenure. Mm-hmm. Um, but the next year – is, is obviously Joe Burrow number goes number one overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year they were a bad team. The O line totally, totally, just thrashed. Yeah, they do hit on T Higgins though, so they have two serviceable serviceable receivers in T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. And Joe Mixon is their fourth year yeah. running back at that time. Yeah, which by the way, a comment I made during the game not not very common. You see a team that rebuilds and in the rebuild hit on the running back first. Mm-hmm. And the running back is like almost the, the most tenured piece yeah. on that offense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's pretty interesting. But at any rate, Joe Burrow. Let's just get, let's just get out the at, at the talk out of the out of the way. Unbelievable. The cool maybe the coolest guy. He, he looks super cool. Yeah. I, I saw he's up for a white guy of the year award. White guy of the year award. Yeah. I, I will endorse I, that. I think Tyler Hero was twenty nineteen. Jack Harlow or. 2020, Jack Harlow was this past year, and now he's up for 2022. So pretty cool. But yeah, he, I mean, he's got so much just like swag to him. Like you, mm-hmm. he, you know, when he walks into a stadium, that he's just so confident. And it's, I mean, that's got to just like radiate throughout the entire team, which is so awesome. Yep. Um, but like you mentioned, it's like even even thinking about last year with his ACL injury um, early on, the team goes four and eleven, four eleven and one, and then to come back this year. And to not only overcome the mental aspect of, you know, like putting that pressure back on your knee, like getting the ball away before you get hit and that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. But then to take your team who had never hadn't won a playoff game in 30 years mm-hmm. to the Super Bowl, like that's that's absolutely unbelievable. And I'm I'm on the I'm on the borough train, to be completely honest. I fully am too. But yeah. and to go even a step further, you know, the thing about Burrow that just he just seems different when you watch him is Obviously, he's 25 years old, going to be 26 soon. And it seems like before the snap, he just knows what's going on on the field. And despite his extremely, extremely subpar O-line, he's able to just identify coverage and get the ball out very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, and it's 
he's he's very mature for his, for his age to to say the least. But to further recap the offseason, the Bengals made maybe one of the best additions in the NFL this offseason in Trey Hendrickson. Their their pass rush was clearly an issue. Um I think going into 2020, yeah, in 2020 the Bengals uh, their sack leader was Carl Lawson with five and a half sacks, followed by Sam Hubbard with two. Um, they bring in Trey Hendrickson. They sign him to what is now an extremely undervalued contract. Uh, he he pours in 14 sacks this season. Uh, Sam Hubbard, who they drafted at Ohio State, goes from two to seven and a half sacks. And they also bring in uh, Larry Ogunjobi from the Cleveland Browns, who pours in another seven sacks. Uh, also, they totally rebuild the secondary. They lose William Jackson, who was very good. But they bring in uh, Chidobia Wuzu, Mike Hilton, who both played great. Eli Apple, who's trending for various reasons. <laughs> Bad reasons. <for laughs> and uh, the secondary, I don't want to say, is great. It's they, They've definitely had issues. Yep. But, I mean, they played a hell of a game when it mattered. And then, to cap it all off, fifth overall, Jamar Chase. Yeah. The true game changer makes me really rethink draft strategy and like what I believe about building a team because don't get it twisted that they would not be here without Jamar Chase. He's extremely special. And then maybe the best draft pick, fifth round, Evan McPherson. Mm. So Yeah. I mean I I'm just thinking right now, because like you mentioned, it's very odd that they went ahead and took Chase and have had the success that they've had. Um but I just can't imagine what they're going to do once they get some free agent linemen coming over to Cincinnati or maybe through the draft. It's yeah. going to be kind of crazy to have Joe Burrow with a lot more time and then those young weapons and then mixing behind him to uh, to utilize that, that offensive front. So it's going to be crazy. And then also to your point that you made about you know the corner struggling, I think a common theme that we've talked about multiple times on this podcast is that as long as your defensive front can pressure the quarterback, that alleviates so much of the pressure on your DBs. And like you mentioned, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals defensive front played so well, especially throughout the playoffs, um, and that's that must have made the job easier on their DBs, especially against you know guys like Patrick Mahomes. So I think they're in a very good spot. I, it's going to be challenging. I don't want to kind of like allude to the Super Bowl, but against the Rams, I think because mm-hmm. the Rams have all those pieces, but I think they can get it done. I think they kind of are a group that believes in each other, and they, I mean. They've overcome so much already this season. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just really want them to win. Yeah, I mean, I totally second that. I'm, I'm all on the Bengals for, for this run. I just I think what they did is amazing, mm-hmm. and I think it really goes to show you that once you hit on the quarterback position, you know. You're good. You, if, you, if you can make some smart moves from there and, and surround them with weapons and surround them with a serviceable team to win and, you know, specifically address – concerns of need like your pass rush or your secondary and, mm-hmm. and be even aggressive with it when you have a quarterback on such a cheap contract you know the sky's the limit it's it's yeah. insane stuff that they're able to be in the super bowl mm-hmm. but on the on the other side yeah, it's to the nfc now we go it's funny because it's it's the matchup of the team who two and 14 two years ago uh has hit on the quarterback in the draft number one overall um you know, has built this team or sort of organically, but also making big swings in free agency. And then on the other side, you have a team that has entirely, entirely, almost just, I mean, I don't, have they, besides from Aaron Donald, I don't even really know who they've, they've drafted. 
uh, <laughs> that, yeah, that is that is a standout on this team. I, I mean, uh, Cup, obviously. Yeah, Cup. I, I, yeah. I'm sorry, I should have said that. And Cam Akers, I believe they drafted mm-hmm. as well. But still, it's it's pretty remarkable what yeah. they've done. They've kind of defied the traditional strategy of, of roster building. But let's let's take a step back and let's go to the 49ers game. So, a it was like. I don't know about you, but this game was kind of a sleeper. This game was kind of a sleeper to start, and then it cooked. And then towards the second half, I was like, "All right, this is get, this is getting very important and, and very big." But for some reason, it just wasn't doing doing it for me. And maybe it was just off of the Bengals high. Yeah, I, I think that's probably a good way to put it. I yeah. think like I don't know. It it wasn't necessarily boring, especially like how the first couple weeks of the playoffs were just like extremely one sided. Um, it was fairly competitive early on, but it just seemed like so lackluster. Like it lacked the big plays. It lacked like, you know, the excitement that the Bengals and Chiefs game gave us. But I mean, like you mentioned, it ended up being, you know, coming down to the wire and being a pretty good game. Yeah. Um, pretty competitive. Yeah, I mean, I would say the 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 key points in the game was that first half ninety like ninety eight yard drive the Rams had. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was officially when you know McVeigh got in his bag to say. And uh, the Rams looked, they looked like they had finally turned the switch. But yeah. funny enough, the Niners followed it up immediately uh, with a touchdown to the Rams. Oh, I, st- I keep having random ads playing. But uh, that was the Debo Samuel touchdown, like the 45-yard touchdown. Yeah. That ties it up. Matt Gay misses the field goal to, to come back. Um, and then the Niners take the lead before half, 10-7. Mm-hmm. Yep. So in the second half, it becomes a completely different ballgame. Mm-hmm. The the Niners get up seventeen seven, but from there on out, thirty yards total. Yep, so six. Yeah, uh, from there on out, 12, 12 plays, twenty eight yards total. Um, completely different team. Mm-hmm. And the Rams sort of just. I mean, Matthew Stafford sort of just. I gotta have these advertisements stop. I'm sorry, uh, but uh. Matthew Stafford became kind of a different beast in that in that uh, in those following quarters. Yeah, which is kind of weird because I feel like usually, or not usually, but throughout the season, we've kind of seen Matt Stafford, you know, start the game hot and then kind of decline as it went along. But it was kind of the opposite in this this uh, game against the Niners, um, and maybe that's also why it was kind of lackluster in the beginning um, in our minds because I mean through the first quarter, zero points scored. And then the second quarter was pretty explosive. But, like, I don't know. I feel like without here, – here's what how I'll frame this. Without Cooper Cup, would the Rams still be in the same place that they are? Uh, No, but, like, like – but like, Cooper Cup's amazing, first, yeah, yeah, first, yeah. first and foremost. Maybe that's a bad way to frame it. But I just think, like, I don't know. He's been so important to that offense that I don't know if, like, Matt Stafford's transition into L.A. would have gone as seamless as it has. And – um. And I mean, because Matt Stafford, he struggled. And without Cup there, I can't even imagine, you know, how much those struggles would have been um, emphasized. So it's it's kind of interesting to think about. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I mean, I think Cooper Cup has been since un- unreal this season. You know, a legendary, legendary season for wide receivers. I would say even to to go another way, like they wouldn't be in this position had they not added OBJ when Robert Woods went down. That's a very good point. He's played very, very well for them. He's he's been huge, and I mean, and Cam Akers coming back is just it doesn't make any sense. Um, even though they haven't even really been running the ball that well, 
in the past two games. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think that the Rams... You, Cooper Cup, I mean, that they, they truly hit on that. That's He's insane. And then Aaron Donald obviously being one of the better... Or one of the best players in football. But the Rams are... Uh, I mean, if they win the Super Bowl, which they very, very, very easily might, they might, they might uh, shake up the way a lot of teams are looking at their off-seasons and, and building their teams. You know what I mean? I feel like, yes, to a certain degree, but I also feel like we have to give it a couple more years because, I mean, it's such short-term gratification, you know? Like, you might have success one year, but can they keep the team together? Like, who can yeah. they retain on the team? So it might not be feasible in, like, a long-term sense. And I think... Um, teams will most likely want to kind of. I mean, I think I think most teams will want to take like kind of build through the draft approach and like kind of like the Chiefs, I guess, where they've gotten all these exciting, um, explosive players through the draft for the most part, um, and they've been extremely successful doing so. So I think while this like uh, strategy of building a team is viable in the short term, I don't think that it's like sustainable. Yeah, I but. I think that also there are a lot of teams and organizations in general that would for sure put themselves in four years of misery and losing to win one Super Bowl. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that if it works, it works, which it may very well in, this, in the Rams case. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, it's a whole different story. And like you said, you, you probably need to, to go out a little further long term to really see the, the full ramifications. Right. But... This might, I mean, it very easily could spark a, a sort of revolution where teams, you know, if we got four, we got a four-year, a GM and a coach say, hey, like our jobs are on the line. We'll give, it, we'll throw everything we have for four years, capitalize at the wall, and if it hits, it hits, and if it doesn't, we're fired, like we would have been mm-hmm. anyways if we didn't, if we didn't win ball games. So I think it's interesting. I don't, I'm not saying that it's going to be the predominant strategy right. or anything, but you know, who's to say that? a team like the Browns who has seemingly a great roster except mm-hmm. maybe quarterback. What? Mm-hmm. They could get aggressive. It would be it would be almost the same thing. They drafted a quarterback like the Rams drafted Jared Goff and they yeah. and they don't think he's enough. Yeah, they need a splash if they want to have a chance to win. They they might throw some assets at the wall for Russell Wilson this offseason, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that, that's what I've been thinking mm-hmm. uh since it seems like Russell Wilson's going to be traded, but I don't know. I I think it's a really it's an interesting strategy, but you yeah. got to hit on a couple of those yeah. players for it to work. 100%, yeah. You have to have the building blocks first. Yeah. I mean, not a lot of teams have an Aaron Donald, a Jalen Ramsey, and a Cooper Cup just sitting on their roster ready mm-hmm. to ready to start trading pieces for. Exactly. Or yeah. trading pieces to, to surround with. But at any rate, the Rams, they make it. Yeah. What, what are you thinking about this matchup? Um... Aside from rooting for the Bengals, which we both are. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's going to be tough for the Bengals just because, I mean, so something that I found kind of interesting. So we went all of NFL history without a team hosting their own Super Bowl, and now we've had it twice in the past two years. Back-to-back, pretty pretty random. Yeah, so, I mean, although the crowd is obviously going to be very diverse because it's the Super Bowl, I think it could play out kind of as a home game for the Rams because they're going to be comfortable in that stadium. Um, but you know it's going to be an interesting game I, I I don't know back to my point that I made last podcast if 
the Cincinnati front will be able to block the Leonard Floyds, the um, Aaron Donalds, and Von Miller. Von Miller, yeah. yeah. So I would it, agree. It, it's going to be a rough, rough game for Joe Burrow, I think. But if he can put on the heroics that he did against the Chiefs, I think it'll make it more entertaining and more interesting. But right now, I think I'm going to give the edge to the Rams strictly because their defense is just so dominant, and it has been throughout the playoffs. I don't know what you think, though. Yeah, I think I'm kind of thinking along the. I'm thinking along the same lines. I think that, that this could be a, uh, this could be a Rams defensive front really, uh, really flexes their muscles and, and honestly wins the game. Um, you know, I think that. I, I honestly think I think you said it perfectly. I I think that the Rams might overwhelm the Bengals. Mm-hmm. However, I thought the Bengals would be overwhelmed by their last two opponents to a degree. That's true. And I mean Burrow and everyone else has has shown an extreme poise that I haven't really seen mm-hmm. for, like in a long time from from players that young. So I think that the Rams are four and a half point under or four and a half point favorites. I think that the Bengals will, will be within four and a half points. We'll be within four points. I think I, I will certainly take the Bengals to cover. So you're going to continue on the close game trend that we've had for the past like six, six, five games. I think the past five or six NFL playoff games have been decided on the last play. I think Evan McPherson hits a 47 yard field goal to win the Super Bowl. That would be really cool. That's, would, that's would my, he say? We're gonna be Super Bowl champions before he runs out to kick it. No, he'll he's gonna look in the camera and say, "I can't wait to be in Disney World," and then go out there <laughs> and kick the game-winning field goal, forty-seven yards, book it. That would be so. That's awful. my take. Um, kind of another thing to note that I think is just kind of interesting about the game is that Sean McVay, who is thirty-six, and Zach Taylor, who is thirty-eight, makes the youngest head coach matchup in the Super Bowl ever. Pretty wild to think about. So crazy. I mean, McVay is younger than a number of players, or I guess maybe just Andrew Whitworth, who's on his team, but... That's insane. Younger than a number of players in the NFL in general. Same, and I guess Zach Taylor's kind of at the end of that. But uh, pretty crazy to think about. Um, In terms of the head coach matchup, again, I I mean, I got to give McVay the edge. I don't really go for the whole narrative of, like, boy genius, like, oh, he can remember plays from 2014. Like, I don't really, like, you know, it doesn't really um, mean much to me, but I think he is a very smart offensive mind, mm-hmm. and it'll be interesting to see how the Bengals can respond and make changes to, because, uh, I mean, the Rams do have a good defense, but they also have a very explosive offense with Cooper Cup and, like you mentioned, OBJ, and uh, Cam Akers back, so. Yep, I would agree. I, uh, I'm looking, I'm, I'm really looking excited to the, for this game. I think that, a lot of people are going to be on the Bengals, so yeah, it'll be cool to see those tiger stripe helmets in the in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's I can't even what they're in the Super Bowl. In, yeah, nineteen eighty eight. Oh yeah, it was the Niners Bengals nineteen eighty eight. That's right. Um, wow, they've had a weird path. They've had a very weird path. I all I know is that Joe Burrow has has like officially cemented himself as as one of the as one of the greats in my head you know what i mean mm-hmm. oh yeah he, gonna, he's gonna be around for a long time i'm gonna be rooting for him for years to come in that afc battle of all those young qbs it's gonna be fun to watch seriously so let's go uh score prediction and then we'll wrap it up okay um ooh, you go first this is uh, tough for me. i'm gonna go 
I'm going to go... By the way, I think that the Rams will probably win. Me too. But I'm going to go Bengals... 31-28. 47-yard okay. field goal to win. There you go. So mine, I'm just going to do a realistic one. Um... So, like Jack mentioned, I also believe that the Rams are probably going to win this game. So, my prediction is Rams 27, Bengals 17. It's not bad. It's not bad. That is, that is where I think they're going to fall, realistically. Uh, parting thoughts uh, on the Bears' OC hire? Um, I don't know. I'm a little indifferent about it. I think it's good that, you know, I've, I've geez, as I've kind of listened to... Uh, Ryan Pauls and Matt Eberflus learned how to say his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, talked to the media because they introduced themselves yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, Were you impressed? Yeah, I, I think Pauls had an answer to literally everything. I think he's going to be a very good GM for us. Mm-hmm. Um, he also like just blatantly said we're going to take the North and never give it back. So that made me very confident. That's, um, That's what you want to hear. Yeah, and then Eberflus just seemed like you know hard nose. We're going to run the ball like hit hard, tackle hard type of guy. So I'm interested to see how that translates to the players you know being grown men i don't know but um i like that I, i'm starting to like that he's a D, dc now because that kind of gives justin fields the opportunity to talk to him to kind of understand defense defenses better than he would with an offensive coach mm-hmm. um but in terms of our oc i like that he'll have you know full control of that offense um and jurisdiction over justin fields progression and, I mean, he was in a good organization with the Packers and helped uh, Aaron Rodgers kind of develop his bootleg game and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it should be interesting. I don't know much about him, to be completely honest, and I guess I'll learn more as time progresses. But as of right now, I am pretty excited for the future. Um, completely rebuild the, the front office and the coaching staff, so that's pretty interesting. And then I just, I just want to see Justin Fields progress. That's all I really care about. I want, like, obviously... I'm not going to get to that success that Joe Burrow's having in his yeah. second year, most likely. Um, that'd be insane. But I just want to see some sort of progression um, with his sophomore season. I mean, similar, maybe on par with or a little bit below uh, Josh Allen's progression. Because Josh Allen was a very you know steady progression all the way up to where he is now. Um, and you know Justin Fields may never even reach where he is now. But as long as he can be a somewhat serviceable quarterback and can be mobile and good for us, I will be happy with that. So hopefully our Mr. Luke Getze can help uh, help him develop. I agree. I'm, I'm actually really excited. I think the Bears thus far have, have hit it, have have done very well. They, I think I don't know about uh, if just because I don't really know Eberflus all that well. I think it's a good hire, but I don't know if it'll if it'll end up being the great hire. But That's I, a question. I'm excited. Yeah. I I am excited. I think. It's it cuts both ways when you hire a head coach early earliest in the process or earlier in the process. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. You can either really hit it or you really rush the whole process, and you'll never know until the the coach that gets hired next goes on and wins like five Super Bowls. Yeah, exactly. And then you're just depressed. <laughs> yeah, and I will be too because we've already <laughs> experienced so much. But you know, I am confident uh, in Ryan Poles' decision. He said, I think, in his uh, kind of interview yesterday that. Someone asked him, like, you know, when you came in, did you not get to expand your search for, like, your head coach? Or, like, because Eberflus is already one of the candidates yeah. of our, like, search committee, quote-unquote. Um, and he said he was able to, but he already found his guy. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that's not 
you know, our upper management speaking. Hopefully yeah, that's, that's him. him. Yeah. But, you know, I'm confident. Whatever he thinks is good, I am very confident in him because I think he'll be a great GM for Chicago. Last question, looking back on it, were the people wrong about Mitch Trubisky? I hope he goes somewhere. I hope he goes to Tampa. That'd be super cool. Um, it should be interesting to see. I think he did. Like, I mean, you can't argue that he had accuracy struggles. Like, yeah. he just yeah, know, he did. wasn't accurate downfield. Um, but I think to some degree, like, Matt Nagy had an influence on his development. You know, It was clear Matt Nagy did not want him there. Mm-hmm. So maybe if he goes to a situation where he can flourish, where the coaches, like, you know, want him there and he can compete. Not saying he's going to be great, but maybe he can be a starter in the NFL again. Yeah. That'd be cool to see. Definitely. I would agree. And, okay, last question, I promise. Last, last question. Last, last question, I promise. Uh, what do you think about, isn't it kind of weird that Josh McCown just all of a sudden got, like, a head coaching interview with the, with the Texans? Did you see that? Yeah, I think I did. Wasn't it a little bit ago? Yeah, it was, like, a couple days ago. And then now they're interviewing Brian Flores. It seems like not a place I would want to be. If you're Brian Flores? If I was... Well, I mean, the Josh McCown comment was separate, but especially Brian Flores. Yeah, yeah. Why would you be leaving Miami to go to Houston? I don't know. I think he should kind of key in on the Vikings job. That's what I would do if I were him. Or, like... I don't think you should be wanting that. The Vikings job? I don't think you should be wanting Brian Flores taking the Vikings job. Well, I think... I think... Historically, they're kind of a defensive-minded team, similar to Chicago. Yeah. I think... But I think for your own hope. Oh, oh, yeah. for me. Yeah, 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 I know. I don't but think I you think, should I think for him, yeah, that'd yeah, be a good yeah. spot to land. <laughs> Definitely not Houston. Um, but yeah, the, the McCown thing's weird. Like, he was a quarterback on literally almost every single team in yeah, the NFL. just about. Um, including the Bears. But I don't know why he would just go straight from player to head coach. Like, there was mm-hmm. no, like, coordinator job. You yeah. know, it was just that big jump. Although, he was a high school football coach. So pretty much the same. Thing. So he's qualified. Yeah, exactly. And the last. Oh my! They final come. thing. You're gonna fill in the blank, and then the podcast will end. In 2022, Jim Harbaugh will be coaching blank. Miami Dolphins. Go Cardinals. 